All right. We're going to get started. I want to read uh, Psalm 61. It says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that is the that part right there. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That is our felt desire this morning. And when we were in prayer this morning, I just I just felt like that cry was rising up in my spirit. And this is our desire today as we worship. God, lead us to the rock that is higher than I. You are that rock. In you is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Secrets, unfathomable thoughts are yours, Lord. And yet, you have offered these things to us. You have offered to share these things with the foolish, with the simple. And so, Lord, we posture ourselves today and we say, God, we long for the treasure that is you. We long for the the mystery to be unfolded before our eyes. And so, Lord, we come through the one way that you said we could come, not because we ourselves deserve, not because we ourselves are righteous, but because of your great love that you opened up a way and you said, this is the way, come this way. And so we are coming this morning to say, God, we want to experience the rock that is higher than I. So be a strong tower today against our enemy and we will abide in you. We will find our hiding place in you. There is a safe place in you, Lord under the shelter of your wing. Lord, you will command a blessing over us. You will speak and be a shelter. You will extend your hand, your wings over us. Oh God, you are the rock that is higher than I. We say great is your name and greatly to be praised. Oh God, we turn our eyes toward you. We say it is you, it is you, it is you. You are the one that we long to see. We draw near to you today. I just want to share one little thing. You know, when we were in prayer this morning, I I felt this cry in my spirit. Lord, take me to the rock that is higher than you. And as I've been standing here, I feel like the Lord has been speaking to me. And he's saying to us, all of us, he says, listen, there's one way to me. One way. And what struck me is this, is that there's two kinds of people usually that come in. There's the kind that that feel like we've pleased God and we've done everything right. And then there's the kind that feels like we haven't pleased God and we haven't done anything right. You know, there's some measure of each of those working in our lives. And you may be here thinking, I am excluded. I am disqualified. Or you may be thinking, no, I am a great Christian. I I am on top of these things, and God is happy with me. I want to tell you that no matter whether you think you've succeeded or whether you think you've failed, there is one way. There is one way. There's not a seek, you know, there's not a servant's quarters entry for those that, you know, haven't done well, that, that can sneak in with their head down and hoping they won't get noticed. There is one way, one access into the presence of God, and it's through confidence in his sacrifice, through confidence in his love. So whether you stand on the side of thinking you're all of that, listen, God himself will resist you, and you won't be able to get in. On the other hand, if you think, no, I'm not clean enough, then you won't come in. For both of us, all of us, No matter where we stand, there is one way, his love. His love never changes, never gives up on you, never gives up on you. And so we are going to enter now, being failures or being successful ones, we are going to enter through confidence in the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross. Lord, we enter your presence today by the new and living way that you consecrated through the veil of your flesh. Lord, we honor you today. Lord, you said, bless the Lord, 
and forget not his benefits. In the presence of the Lord is joy forevermore. And I believe we can expect that when the presence of God comes, his word, his presence always accomplishes something. And John Wimber used to say, the presence of the Lord is the power of the Lord. That in the presence of the Lord, there is power. And so right now where you are, reach out to the Lord for what he wants to give you. Because there's something in his presence that will meet a need in your life. His heart and his hands and his presence and his power is extended to you right now. And so if you need a healing, if you need some kind of resolution in your life, receive it. Lord, we want to give you all the glory. We want to give you the glory that's due your name. You know, as we're worshiping here, and I know for some it may be strange to sing a song over and over, to sing for so long, but I'm reminded of the four beasts before the, before the presence of God. And it says they don't stop worshiping day and night. Now, it says day and night, but there's no night in heaven. So it's, it's a symbolic set of time. The point, the, the point is this. It's endless. They worship endlessly, endlessly. And I always think, well, what could keep them so interested that they would worship endlessly? And it has to do with the ever-increasingly unfolding revelation of Almighty God. Because we worship an eternal God. And there is no end, there's no end, there's no end. And, you know, it, it's it, that chorus we sing, that uh, amazing grace, after 10,000 years, we've no less time. But more than that, more than that, more than no less time to worship him, though there's no less glory to discover. There's, there's no less glory to discover. There's no less glory to discover. And I want to I release a word here of faith. Now hear me. This is important. The reason people die in their faith, the reason people get disillusioned is because they come to an end of their faith. They cannot believe for more. They cannot seek for more. They cannot expect for more. They cannot worship and anticipate that something outside of their experience is going to come in because their faith has reached its limit. Their faith has tapped out. They just can't believe that there's more than this. So there's no hope. There's no capacity to seek. There's no ability to press in. You only press in if you know there's something else to be had. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we say... Stimulate our faith, God. Stimulate our faith, Lord. Give us that electric spiritual shock that awakens hope again, that awakens an expectation. God, that surprises us. Lord, when we were first born again, we we never knew that there could be such a commodity, such a peace, such a joy. Surprise us again. Oh, God, surprise us again. Now listen, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith pleases God because faith is the only substance that draws on Him, on Him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So when you seek Him in faith, what you hope for is Him, is a manifestation of Him. But if you don't believe there's more to be discovered... You can't reach, you can't hope, you can't seek, you can't believe. Now you just ride it out. And the church is filled. The churches are populated with people who believe in the experience they had. And they believe in the God of the Bible. But they believe they've experienced as much as they can. And so they're riding this thing out to the end. And God is saying, there is a generation who will not tap out. There is a generation who will continue to believe that there is more, who will believe there is an eternal God, an eternal God, that one layer 
And there's another layer of his presence, and there's more to his glory, and there's more to him, and there's more to him, and furthermore, that he wants to give more. God, we say we want the more. We want the more. We want to please you by saying we know there's more. God, we know there's more. Even if we can't see it right now, we say, I decide today that there is more to you, God. There's more power. There's more freedom. There is more glory. There is more. There is more. Fill us with holy dissatisfaction. Hallelujah. Have you ever sought for something that somebody else said was there, but you didn't, you weren't sure was there? That's secondhand faith. My wife t- does that to me all the time. She says, you know, can you grab me this thing from there? I don't know if it's there. She says it's there. But I look. I can't see it. You know what? I give up really quickly. But if it's something I know is there, I have the fuel to seek longer. I have the fuel. I have the energy. I have the vision. You see... This thing that we have in our Christian faith, it's not just assurance that we're going to heaven. It is an encounter with him and an increasing encounter. The Bible says from glory to glory, glory to glory. But what keeps you, what enables you to actually know that there is, is faith. Faith is vision. Faith causes you to see. But without faith, you can't please God. You can't pursue him. And he's saying, I'm looking for a people who seek me. He said, I'm looking for the generation of Jacob who seek my face. And there's a generation that are going to say, when you said, seek my face, Lord, I said, your face, Lord, I will seek. And so God is looking for a people right now to put a word in, to put a desire inside of you. Say, listen, seek my face. God, imprint us with this eternal word that says, seek my face, that causes us to know there is more. God, we want to be that generation. And Lord, even when we're gray-headed and we're losing our strength, we'll still pine and desire for more of you. We'll never tire. We'll never tire. We'll never tire. We'll never tire. I believe, I believe with all my heart that there's a miracle in the making right now that in moments right like this, God can, God can change the quality of your Christianity. God can change the quality of your Christianity. I've, I've said it before. I ran into some Christians when I first became a, a Christian that were, even though they were old, they weren't like other old Christians. They were, they were on fire. They were desiring. They were passionate. They always wanted to go to another prayer meeting. They always wanted to worship. They always believed. They always hoped. They knew the best days were just around the corner. They always lived with this vitality. I want to be that kind of Christian. You can be that kind of Christian for the rest of your days. So, Father, put it in our hearts. We receive that word right now that there is more to you. We believe in an eternal God. We believe in Christ. We believe in the resurrection. We believe in the God eternal. We believe in the God endless. Come on. Declare it. Say it out. I believe in an eternal God. I believe in eternal life now. I believe you want to give me eternal life now. I want to experience eternal life now. God, we want to be fueled like Joshua and Caleb in their latter years, Lord. Their strength did not fail them. So, Lord, we say, seal it in our hearts right now. Ah, We don't want to have an old faith. We don't want to have a dry faith. We want a living faith. Mercies that are new every morning. God, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? You know, this morning it was neat. There was a couple times in worship where I was thinking about my problems and stuff, and all I could do was actually smile. That's all I could do. Because I know who my God is and who my Lord is. And I thank Him for that. That in the midst of Jesus Christ, all that stuff just fades away. 
It has no power over us. It never did. It never will unless we give it to it. So we got to stop that. So, Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. And that you can take us through everything that's in front of us, too. All right. So good to be here. I'm going to have Paul Captain come up in a minute. Anyway, as you know or may not know, we had a day of prayer yesterday. We had uh, almost 12 hours. I made it myself almost to 8 o'clock. I left at 5 to 8, in case somebody was wondering why I wasn't there right at the end. What time did you end, by the way? 8.05. See. So I, I missed the rush, you know. That way the parking, you know, yeah, the best part. And of course, always the best part is the part when I'm not here. All right, uh, Paul, why don't you come and, and, uh, and share what happened yesterday? Yesterday was awesome. A couple of weeks ago when Diana said that that's what we were going to do, uh, I knew in my heart I had to be there. And if you told me that I had to spend 12 hours of my Saturday in church, uh, my, my flesh didn't want to do that. And it was interesting, I, I posted on WhatsApp, and Derek had posted, and a bunch of other people, on Thursday, Friday, you know, my back hurt. And I was like, hey, I don't have to go. <laughs> and, uh, but then I made a decision, I'm going to go. And my back got a little better. But um, there's something about an intense time of intentional prayer. And uh, there were times where I could disconnect a little bit, try to get back in. But when I got home, I I tried to think of what I was feeling, what it reminded me of. And about nine years ago, I had a heart thing happen. I had no regular heartbeat. So we went to the hospital, and after several hours of medicine not doing it, they had to put me to they put me out and re, reset my heart with a shock. And when I woke up, and that hearing the heart monitor with a regular heartbeat gave me such peace. That's what it reminded me when I got home last night. I was back in. It wasn't like I was dead. I was just a little bit out of step with what the spirit was doing, and. Uh, back in the flow. So it was awesome. Amen. Amen. So um, I just wanted to share something on that testimony because I think that's, that's typical of, of what can happen. And I've heard of similar testimonies, but around uh, conferences. You know, when, when we've had Glory of the Father's House events, and I would watch the effect in people's lives. People, for, for months afterwards, had a different kind of spiritual vitality to them. And, um, but it's funny because then you come to the next event and you still have to prod people to come. Why? Because it's too easy to forget. It's too easy to forget what happened right then. And what, I, what begins to happen in your life as you begin to mature spiritually is you actually begin to, to feel the, the heights and the lows. You begin to feel the times when you're closer to God and the times when you're further from God. Now, we can talk, and maybe we'll talk in a minute here about some of the circumstances. How is it that you can feel closer or further from God? What are the dynamics that make that, that happen? And how can I, how can I a, a, cultivate a desire to always draw near? And, uh, you know, how, 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 can I, how can I have that continuous energy? And then secondly, how do I stay near? Right? And th- this is the question. Now, what if you're in a position where I, I, I don't feel either far or close? Oh. What if I don't feel far or close? Uh, well, I'm not going to give you a negative prognosis. And I'm not going to say you're dead, but something's missing. And a part of your journey then becomes, what is it that's missing? How come I can't sense? You know, if we had somebody here and they, they said, I can't feel anything with my hands. Or I can't feel my legs, you know. The, the, I, I turned on the hot water and I was scalding my legs and I couldn't feel the heat. We wouldn't say, oh, well, uh, I guess that's just the way I am. Would we? 
we would say, no, there's, there's something wrong that I cannot sense this. And so, by the same token, spiritually, when you become alive, when you become born again, you, you are inducted into a world. You know, the, the analogy that God used when you became born again is, is perfect because when we came into this world, we were now, we were now encountering this world. And now we, and we had innately built into us the abilities, the sensory capacity to interact and relate to this world. Now, sometimes some of those things are broken, but we never say, oh, it's normal that it's broken. Okay? Spiritually, we should have the same mindset. All right? You know, uh, when I get born again, I am inducted into a world that is spiritual. And that's the essence of what Jesus was saying in John chapter 3 to, uh, uh, was it, um, yeah, John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. You must be born again. You must be, you must, your senses must come alive to this world where God is. And then later on when he's talking to the woman at the the well, he says, God is spirit. Because she's saying, you know, who's, who's the best? Who's the best? Is it us who worship over here or the Jews in, in Jerusalem? He said, the time is coming where, where neither, you know, that's not the point because God is what? God is spirit. God is spirit. And so we have, and he said, he seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, if you don't have any sensory capacity to know what it means to worship in spirit or truth or sense in the spirit, how can you know that you're ever doing it right? Well, you know, the Bible says, lift up your hands. So, I, you know, in, in, in the absence of knowing anything, I'm just going to blindly do the rote thing that, was said, that it said in the Bible. So I'm singing the songs, I'm lifting my hands, but I have no experience with God. I want to say to you, that something is incomplete. Now, is that to say, well, you know, yeah, God's got it out for you. You're doing it wrong. You're bad. No, it means this is what you need to seek for. It means this is what needs to be remedied in your life. You know, when we have something wrong with us, we go to the doctor in the hopes that, you know, the doctor can fix that, right? Now, unfortunately, not everything can be fixed in this imperfect world, but spiritually, we are made to function in certain ways. And you can, you can study this out. The Sanfords and Elijah House ministry, actually, uh, I remember hearing a, a message some years ago, and perhaps some of you know this much better, but, but uh, Paul, John and Paula Sanford developed, uh, I think it's, it's nine or so attributes of the Spirit, that when you become born again, your spirit becomes alive. There are things that your spirit is meant to do. And one of the things revolves around worship. Okay, so uh, one of the things revolves around the Word of God. Man, I, you know, you might say, well, I, I just can't read the Word. I just can't get anything from the Word of God. I fall asleep every time I read. Let me tell you, there's something wrong. Something's broken. Something's not working. Well, I just can't worship God. Well, something's not working. I can't, you know, and they, they had a whole list of things that a normal person should be able to do that's born again. Again, it's not... Condemnation. We're not like. I mean, you don't say to a person who's born, you know, with with a a, a club foot or something. Ah, oh, you, <laughs> wicked you! What did you do in the womb that you deserve that? Right? You know, we don't we don't blame the child. We just help the child and try to fix the child. So it's not a question of shame. It's not a question of sin. It's not a question of of uh, our failure. It's a question of no. I just let's just get this right. And that's the posture we need to have in terms, we have a loving God, and uh, there's, there is mystery to this thing, and we don't know, we see through a glass darkly, but we know this, that God is a loving God, and He wants to fix what's wrong with us, and He wants us to be whole. He wants you to be complete, and He wants you to be able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. But what happens as you start to grow and develop spiritually is you start to become more spiritually aware. You start to be aware of certain things. And, and one of the things is about this sense of distance. You know, now Paul, is, when he, in his testimony, he, he just he felt misaligned, right? Misaligned. I, I remember, uh, 
let me, let me share this, this testimony. I remember when I was in Poland, and you've heard this before, but I want to share it with you. Uh, I went to Poland, and I felt this tremendous weight. Now, okay, the good thing was I felt the weight. <laughs> so I knew there was a weight. What do you do if you go into a place and you don't feel opposition? You don't feel that you're actually being buried what happens over the course of the days and the weeks of your life, the enemy is always trying to bury you in junk. That is, he's trying to deaden your spiritual senses so that you, you become, you, you know, you, you, maybe you can't kill you completely, but he comes to a pl- brings you to a place where you're like comatose spiritually. You're just lethargic. You can't move. You can't do anything. You're alive, but that's about it. Well, when I went to Poland, I remember experiencing it so dramatically that it literally felt like there was gravel being poured and cement on my head. And I thought, if I don't stay active spiritually, you know, I am going to be paralyzed. I'm gonna, and I know what that feels like. It's a feeling like I don't want to go to a prayer meeting. I don't even, I'm preaching, and I don't even want to go to church. You know, that, and that's what I felt. I got up in the morning there in Poland, and I thought, I thought, oh, I got to speak. You know, and it's not that I don't have something to say, but, but, but it means I feel so distant from spirit life that I just, I can't even stir myself. Now, fortunately, I'd experienced this enough. I had experienced feeling lethargic and like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I don't want to do anything. I just want to watch TV. I'd experienced that enough and come out of it. I knew what it took to come out of it. And the only question is, do you want to? Well, I had the additional responsibility of needing to because, you know, in a couple of hours, I was going to have to stand before people and bring them into this. And how do you bring people into something you're not in touch with? You can't. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's probably going on in some, some places, right? Ah. So what Paul's talking about is a common, common thing. It's common for me. It's common for you. In fact, one of the things I dislike about vacations is that vacations, I have less opportunity to be with the body and be in the spirit. You know, and it helps to have a little bit of responsibility because then I have to get up for it, right? You know, and yet when I, you know, when I, we couldn't, we didn't even have to go to church when we were in, you know, Las Vegas. Nobody would know. Right? But it's not a duty. It's, it's, it's like eating food. It's my lifeline. I wanted to be around the presence of God. I want to be around people that are worshiping. I want to be around people that are cultivating and awakening their spirit. So the Lord is trying to teach us how, uh, how to be awake, how to stir ourselves. For me, in Poland that time, I just had to pray in tongues continuously. I mean, it was, it was, it was I mean, I pray in tongues a lot, but I was literally... And he, every minute I wasn't praying in tongues, I was like, I could just feel this, like, I just, I just, oh, I just want to lay down and die. And maybe for some of you, that's your life. Maybe you feel that all the time. Maybe that's what you struggle against. And if that is a part of your life, it's not because you're evil, it's not because you're bad, but maybe God's trying to develop something in you. And, and it may be, like that scenario in Poland, that you're carrying weight for more than just yourself. And that's another dimension that, you know, I, I can't really fully explain. But this is the reality, that we can have distance and we can have proximity to God. And we can feel that distance and we can feel that proximity. And we can, and this is what it means to become an overcomer, to overcome. We are overcoming, we are vanquishing, we are becoming victorious over those things that are against us. And the worst part is this, is Paul says, not only is the world against you, not only are the demons and everything else against you, he said, you got something inside of you that is against you. He said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. So you got it on every side. We've got it on every side. And so 
you know, that's why it's so disappointing sometimes when I talk about the reality of this spiritual life and, you know, the, the need to come to church and connect with other people and to be in prayer and stuff. People think, yeah, well, I did it. I satisfied the legal requirement. I went once a week. It's not about needing to go once a week. It's about what does it take to sustain spiritual vitality in your life so that you are cognizant, aware of the presence of God, aware of the Holy Spirit, aware of, of the unction of the Spirit of God going out of you, aware of the impulses of death, aware of the weight of darkness, aware of the spiritual atmosphere around you. That's what it means to be alive in the Spirit, is we are aware. And so yesterday, when we have this opportunity, like at a conference when you have consecutive days where there's worship and there's anointing and there's all these things, it's like, boom, you know, we, we get aligned. Now, in some cases, we might know that we're not aligned. We might know that something's out of whack, and other times, uh, we may be completely unaware until we get aligned. It's like, oh, oh, this is so good, you know. And uh, we used to see that all the time, where, where after three days of the Glory of the Father's House conference, people were like, oh, they're just, oh, God is so great. Yeah, he was great yesterday. <laughs> He's always great. Your excitement around his greatness goes up and down. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the question is, how aware are we of those things? I remember uh, saying when I was in Bible college, we used to think about this a lot, that Smith Wigglesworth used to talk about being distant from the world. He understood that all that's in the world, he said, is the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eye. That's all that's in the world. So he actually practically distanced himself from those things to the point where he didn't even let a newspaper into his house. Now, Nathan... Picking on Nathan. Uh, and I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's a high thing. So I thought, I'm never going to have TV in my house. Well, I do have a TV now. But, uh, but his theory was this, is that it's like a, a cantilever. You know, you've got a huge boulder that you want to move, and you have a, a long, long, long pole, and, you know, or a beam or whatever. The further that is out, the less pressure it needs to be applied to this to move that that thing. He said, the world, that's the world. It's on a cantilever. And the further I am from, away from the world, the more that I can influence and move that world with less strength. And so there's, a, there's this principle that I was, you know, we just understood as Bible college students, I need to draw near to God. I need to be less affected by the lusts of the eye, the lusts of the, uh, the flesh and, and the pride of life. And, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't easy. So how do you, how do you get less affected? Well, you, you stop feeding those impulses, right? It's very simple. You stop, you stop indulging those things, uh, and, you, and you indulge the other things. You strengthen your spirit. That's why it talks in Ephesians about strengthening, being strengthened in your inner man by his spirit. It's like the old saying, you know, two dogs in a fight, which one's going to win? The one you feed, now, that's not religious obligation. That's just practical. That's what works. You know, the guy who practices skateboarding gets becomes a better skateboarder. Right? Is that true? Anyway. Hallelujah. So, we have this opportunity. I lost my, my page, my notes. I don't we have this opportunity to draw near to God, to be alive spiritually. And we have touched over a period of time, what does it take to overcome? But I want to talk about something here that was on my heart. I think it was Wednesday night of prayer. It began to be real clear to me. And it has to do with pride. It has to do with passion. It has to do with faith. But I remember on, on Wednesday I was here and I was thinking of the scenarios, because I, I felt like we were, we, were, we were trying to get God's attention. Now, you, I don't want to get into all the religious rhetoric, well, God's everywhere all the time. Okay, we don't have to try to get into his presence. If, we don't have to, if there's no effort on it required, then he, sa- he wouldn't say, draw near to me. 
And if he was in the same, every, if the manifestation of his presence was the same everywhere in the world, there, was no, there would be no need for us to do anything. And yet, I think it's pretty clear the Bible is full of mandates for us, right? You know, what did, what did you say to his disciples? Oh, you prayed five minutes. Well done, well done. Now he said, why couldn't you pray an hour? Oh, how dare he condemn them like that? Doesn't he know anything about the grace of God? Right? You know, I mean, the, the, and I'm just taking some hits at some little attitudes out there that somehow freedom means no obligations, that freedom means there's no standards, there's no expectations, there's nothing for us to do. And the enemy would like to paint a picture that, you know, uh, you know you're going to get the same as the guy next to you, no matter how well, whether you apply yourself to seeking God or never. That's just not true. Right? And if that causes condemnation in your life, that's the issue. The fact that you experience condemnation. I remember, you know, it's kind of like me when my mom used to ask, I'd be playing, right? Mom used to ask me to do something, and I'd get so mad. And I would think... I would have done it if you hadn't asked. And suddenly, my anger became focused on the fact that she made the request. Why? Because I had no intention of doing it. I was going to get around to it. Around to it would be when I felt like it. When do you feel like it? Never. But your command, asking me to do it, brought attention to my unwillingness to do it. And that I'm mad about. And that's what the law does. That's what the commandment does. It, 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 create, it manifests your unwillingness. So when God says, seek my face, I was going to. Anyway, I, I had this picture on, on Wednesday. And I, I hope, I hope I, it feels like I, there's some direction here because there might be. <laughs> but uh, uh, on, on Wednesday, I was thinking of the scenario in a hockey game, because I was feeling pride. I was feeling the human pride. And I, I saw myself and I, at, at a hockey game. And what happens at hockey games is like the Oilers and stuff, there are different points in the, in the, in the meeting or the, the game where they, these people come out and they start shooting T-shirts at you. Anybody get, been to a game and they're giving away free T-shirts? And what happens, of course, is, is the little cheerleaders that come out, you know, they have these guns and they... You know, these air and these wrapped up kind of rocket-like guns. I mean, T-shirts shoot out at you. But, of course, they shoot it at the people that are making the most commotion, right? So the people are going, hey, hey. (laughs) You know, those are the ones that get the T-shirt, right? And so they're looking around to see, (laughs) yeah, see who's the most excited. And I thought, I thought that... You know, that, that's kind of like God. He's actually those who want him most, right, who express the desire, right, who align themselves with him. That shows, I want you. I want, you know, it was written on John Wimber's epitaph on his, he loved the things that God loved. And, uh, and so uh, there, is this, there is this scenario where God is wanting to pour out things, but he says, you draw near to me. In other words, I've, I've already done what I need to do. And it's not that my mercy isn't enough that I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to come along and pluck you out. But there's purpose in me training you to draw near to me. Because I have no problem drawing near to you, but you have a problem drawing near to me. And so the, 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 you know, the uh, inertia of immovability is not on my side. So the guy says, I need, this needs to be a two-way relationship. And I'm comfortable with my willingness to draw near to you. I'm not comfortable with your willingness to draw near to me. So yours we're going to work on. So anyway, uh, at the, at the, I remember I'd, I would sit there, and here's my problem is I don't value the T-shirt. So I'm not going to get up. And I'm not, I'm not going to you know, make a lot of noise because it's, it's a cheap T-shirt anyway. I, I'm probably not going to wear it. It's, yeah, pink ones, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't value what it is that's being sent my way. 
And I, I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, the reasons why, one of the reasons why my people don't get me is they don't value what it is I'm giving. As a, there's no, there's a disconnect in terms that they just don't have the ability to see what it is I'm offering. Now, in the case of the t-shirt, okay, it just, it has limited value. And so, you know, the, the illustration loses its way there. But the fact is, a lot of the people that don't get up and wave around and everything just don't value. The other thing is, is a lot of the people just don't think, you know, because they look around. There's like 20,000 people. I'm one here. They're giving away eight T-shirts. Mathematically, the chances of one of those coming to me is very little. And so I, I just don't believe that anything's it's going to work. It's, you know, I don't, just don't believe that it's, something's going to come to me. And that is a, an issue of faith. Like, do we believe? If we seek him, will we find him? He said, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. But the question is, do we believe Okay, the seeking with all your heart, we'll leave that for a minute. But do we believe there is value in seeking? Or is God throwing the dice? And is, does nothing ever work out for us? And are we just sort of these, these people that sort of float on the edge of the kingdom? You know, this is good for you. Uh, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to pay my tithe. But, you know, I'm not going to get all excited about it. Because I don't believe that there's more for me. I don't believe. You know, the chances are very slim that I'm going to fulfill the criteria. Therefore, I do not try. And that is a very real condition of many of our hearts. And the third one, and this is the one that really, really struck me. Are you guys still with me? The, the third one is my ego will not allow me. That it's the inertia of, I am disposed to look sensible. I am disposed to look uh, together. And I am not going to look like an idiot for you. I'm not going to be brought into your little, you know, hypnotic little thing and, you know, dance monkey dance kind of scenario. I have more dignity than that. And I'm like, you're going to get me up and looking like an idiot just so I can have two seconds on the camera or, or you know, get a cheap T-shirt. But, you know, here's what pride does. Pride says, I cannot compromise. I, I cannot move myself to look that excited because you might not look my way. You know, if I was sure that if I went, you know, then for sure you would do that, then... I might be willing to, but all of these things, these conditions together, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I, it's too humiliating. I remember I, was, uh, I saw this little clip of the movie. Uh, oh, no, no, we, we watched a part of the movie. It was uh, Back to the Future. What's the actor's name? Michael J. Fox, right? And Michael J. Fox, this is, I think, the first movie and he was talking to his girlfriend, and he plays guitar, and she's saying, you should enter into this competition or something. And he starts saying, you know, no, I, I don't know. What if they tell me I'm terrible? And what if, what if, what if you know, I, I think I'm better than I am, and I go there, and I just stink? I don't think I could take the disappointment. And I remember just that. I don't think I could handle the disappointment. There is a gap between the amount of, you know, what if I get up and wave my hands around? What, it's so hard for me. I, I, I want to hide all the time. I feel, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it's shame or I just, you know, I just, I'm, I, I don't want to be, sta- stand out at all. I just want to hide in the crowd. And now you're asking me to do this crazy things. I would if I was sure I would get the thing. But I, it costs me too much, in my estimation, to put out the effort if there's disappointment. That gap there is a gap of humility. It's a, it's a gap of faith. It's, it's, but it's one of the things that keeps us locked 
into our present condition is like it's not worth the humiliation. Maybe you maybe we come to church and we look at people and we think, well, yeah, it's easy for Michael to dance. You know, he's that way. Or it's easy for you to wave a flag. You're sure one of those colorful, creative people. I'm an intellectual reserve person. And uh, that's too far outside of my comfort zone. And, yeah, it's easy for you, but I'm not going to do it because the cost to me is much greater than the cost to you. And then there's other aspects of it where sometimes we think, you know, we have a worship time like this and we're leaning into God and, 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 you, and, and we sort of get the idea, well, you know, this is, this is sort of a production. This is sort of a show. And, you know, the people on the stage, they're invested in getting everybody whooped up. And, you know, but I'm just not going to play that game. You know, I'm not, I'm not that weak-minded that, that, you know, you're going to stimulate me with a few exhortations and a couple of songs and, and you know, and, and because... And what's behind that? Disillusionment, unbelief. I don't believe that there's anything to this. I can't seek because I don't believe. That's the central issue. I do not believe. Now, I don't know how fully this relates, but the other thing that came to me, I I think it was yesterday, was about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. And... And, you know, when God asked for a certain posture, Abel did it and Cain didn't. Now, as it happened, what God had asked for was very close to what Abel was connected with. But it was not very close to what Cain was connected with. So Cain decided, well, that's because that's what he does. And that's fine for him, but I should give something different because I don't do animals. I do, I do vegetables. So I'm going to bring vegetables and let Abel bring, a, bring sheep, you know, or a lamb. And when God assessed their gifts, he said, it says he had regard for Abel's and he did not have regard for Cain's. Why? Because it wasn't what he asked for. Why is this important? Because sometimes we are disposed to line up to what God asks according to our disposition. Well, I'm not an outgoing kind of person. I'm not flamboyant like, you know, okay, who's the most flamboyant person here? I don't know, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Di's, you know, that's fine for Die. you know. That's her personality. But it's not my personality, therefore I don't have to do it. Yet the same requirements when God says, worship me this way, lift up your hands, dance. Dance? I don't have the physical dexterity to dance in the way when they dance, it's beautiful. When I dance, well, can white men dance? You know, I mean, we, we, we decide how we're going to line up to what God requests according to what it costs us, what our disposition is, what we feel like. And God is saying, this is, you know, the very fact that Abel dealt with animals, I didn't do that because he dealt with animals. This is who I am. This is who I am, and this is what I demand. You know, when, uh, when Mary and Martha, the sisters... We're, we're serving Jesus, and, and Martha, of course, was all occupied about food, and uh, Mary wasn't, right? Now, you may think, well, yeah, well, you know, Mary was obviously that spiritual type. You know, she was the one, the intercessor. She's, ah, shangda, you know, and Martha's the worker. And, uh, you know, so, so it's very natural that Martha wouldn't want to be in the prayer meeting, and, and Mary, Mary did. You know, think, well... You know, it's fine for you to say, Jesus, Mary has chosen the better thing. Right? Yeah, but that's not my gifts. I'm a worker. I, I you know, who's going to be there to do the dishes when dishes need to be done? Me. Doesn't matter. What is God asking for? What is he asking for? Now, See, this is the thing. Well, maybe Mary was more disposed, or Marie. What was it, Mary? 
Mary was more disposed towards those things. Maybe she was the artistic one who could dance and maybe not. But that did not have any bearing on their future faithfulness because later on when they were disappointed that their brother died, it was Martha that came to Jesus and Mary was so disillusioned she couldn't stir herself from her bed. And maybe it was the rebuke of Jesus to Martha at that time that brought an alignment. I don't know. But the point is this, is that it doesn't matter what our disposition is. It doesn't matter what our talent is. It doesn't matter what our inclination is to be, to be musical or not musical, to dance or not dance. When God says, listen, worship me exorbitantly. Worship me with hilarious laughter. One of the words for praise in Hebrew is hilarious laughter. He's saying, I want to be worshipped with extravagant foolishness. That's one of the words. Clamorously foolish. Yeah, I'll do this one, but not this one. Really? But it's easier for, for these kinds of people to do that. And it may be. But there's other things that God is going to demand of you and you and you and you that are not easy for her, but are easy for him. Does that, does that dismiss? Is, are you, does she not have to do that? Yeah, I have a hard time forgiving people. You know, you, you seem to have an easier time forgiving people. So I'm not going to forgive and you don't have to dance. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. 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 God asks us for a death to lay down our preferences for his. And that's how we honor him. And that's how we align. That's how we align. And it may be hard for you to come to a prayer meeting, or it may be hard for you to sing. It may be hard for you to open them at your mouth. And it may be easy to serve in other ways, but it doesn't matter what's easy and what's hard. What matters is what he wants. What he wants. We are, we are here to align because there's a world to be discovered. And if we are unwilling, if we are unwilling to align in these, these simple ways, he's saying there, there are things beyond your imagination that lay just behind the curtain that I want to show you. I want to show you, but you're showing me that you have an unwillingness to value what I like. And so I will not show you what's special to me if you can't honor me in this other way. And that's the way it works. It is just the way it works. So we all have choices to make. and We have an opportunity. And you were made to experience God. You were made to discover the beauty of who he is. And I, I, this morning, I just felt like in prayer, I, I want to see behind the curtain. I want to see how the kingdom of God works. I, wanna see, I, I don't want the kingdom of God and healing and not healing and you know the, these things to be just these random occurrences that I don't have no rhyme or reason. I want to know how the kingdom of God works. And I feel like God is saying, I'm looking for people to show that to but you need to align. So, Father, we want to say today that we, we want to love what you love. And, God, we want, to, we want to make a declaration. I'm not asking you to come forward or anything like that, but if you, if you value and recognize that what I'm saying is true today, I want you to just, in your heart, say, God, I will do what you ask. Father, we want to posture ourselves, especially in this day, because we feel like there's something coming, gifts for the body of Christ. And we, we want to be at the front of the line. God, we want, to, uh, we, want to, we want to come after you hard. I want to follow hard after you. So, Lord, renew our faith today. Renew our awareness that, Lord, there's nothing in the world, but everything that's worth seeking is hid in you. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. And there may be some here that 
need to repent that, you know, when I talked about the pride, the unwillingness to pay that cost, you realize you are so aware of yourself. You can't hardly do anything because uh, you are locked. You are locked emotionally. You are locked. And God is, uh, this is as easy as he's going to make it by making it clear where the path is. So, Lord. So I'm just feeling, I'm just feeling the Lord on this right now so much. Um, he's reminding me that yesterday, um, Johnny Cash, before he died, he sang that song by a band, and the, the line was, And you can have it all, my empire of dirt. I will let you down, I will make you hurt. And um, God, this is for anybody that wants to pray this with me, and I'm praying this. We give up our right to have ownership of the things that we've made in our life up to this point. Whether I'm five years old, whether I'm 10 years old, whether I'm 30, whether I'm 60, whether I'm 80, these things that I've built, these things that even you've called me to build, and now I have them around me, my empire, even the things that I've put a Jesus flag at the top of it, because clearly you said, build this. I give up my right to ownership in anything. If I've been a courier driver for 20 years and that's what I do, if you want a paradigm shift in my life and turn me into a spaghetti maker, I accept what you want for my life. And there's this, this word that I hear that is, I, I give up my right. There is an actual inappropriate right that we feel to the things we've created in our lives. And it feels so right because we've put so much work and effort into these things that define us. However, our life is not our own. Our life is not our own. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we would all be judged right now. If it wasn't for the Son of God, we would not be here right now. And His mercy is that we are all conscious his mercy is that we are all here. His mercy is he gives us people to love in our life in the midst of that. And so we actually confess that in our lives we have no right to keep the things that we believe that we have a right to. And God, whatever the move is that you're doing in this next season and in this next uh, time of life, I say for my life, Nothing is mine. You can have it all, my empire of dirt, because I will let you down, and I'll make you hurt. Oh, there's just a wait there. You know, Pastor Mark said it. He wasn't going to have people come, but I feel like he's presented this banqueting table before us today, and I feel like if we were sick in our body, we would say, oh, I'm going to come up for healing. But if you're empty in your spirit. If something's just like, when he was talking, I recognized something's wrong inside. Something's wrong. I, I don't really want God, and I don't even know if I want to want him. And when I read the word, or maybe I haven't read the word in months, and it just, nothing feels alive. I want you to just come. And you may say, I've come many times before, and I don't think anything's been much different, but I want you to come. I just want you to come. And uh, I'm not going to make it in well, with me, it's, it feels like it's emotional, but I am serious. There is a banqueting table of life that is here. And there is an open door for you to receive. And I just want to speak over you guys. I remember the day when Ben, I think he was 15 or 16, and there was a thing that happened here, some kind of service. And he came, and I think he just responded and his life was forever changed. It was forever changed. And a fire came into his soul and he had to crawl out of here because God became real to him that day. And I, I just want to speak over you that there is more, that there is more, that there is more. I want to invite you to come. I want you to invite you to step out of where you are. If you're feeling sleepy, even if it, during the sermon you're like, I just felt like sleeping this whole sermon. I want you to come. I want you to come because there is more, there is more, there is more, there is more. 
And God, we say set a fire down in our soul that we can't contain and control. Set a fire in our souls. Set a fire inside of us. If you're bored in God, if you're bored in God, oh my goodness, we haven't actually connected with him because he is not boring. He is the last thing from boring. He is the last thing from boring. And I just say, awake my soul, awake my soul, awake my soul and sing. And those of you that are full of life right now, come and just speak life over these ones. And you don't even need to speak much. You just need to come into agreement. I bless you. I bless you like Mark DuPont taught us. I bless you. I bless you to receive. I bless you to receive from God. Now, not everybody has to come forward. but And we're not expecting that if you're sitting back there that you're not responding. But, you know, sometimes we need a concrete thing to 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 establish to draw a line in the sand and it's not the only one i believe god's going to recall for many responses but he wants to do something last night i had a vision of jesus with a doctor's cloak on and he was handing out medicines for the sickness of the soul not so much sickness of the body that as well but sickness in the soul or the sick, our spirit is perfect, but our sickness can come to our soul. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that the great physician is in the house today. And that you are going to inoculate us fresh with your love, your mercy, your grace, your medicine. Your, your just a fresh inoculation, Lord. I need that fresh inoculation. I need you to inoculate me, Lord, afresh with your fire, love, and your willingness to do good in our lives. Lord, we must believe upon you and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you and believe upon your love, Lord, and how much you love us. Lord, this is, these are the things, Lord, that is required for the wellness of the soul, that we believe upon your love and how much you love us. And I just thank you, Lord, that the great physician is in the house today. I want to declare that God is no respecter of persons, that what he did for somebody else, he wants to do for you. Now, the conditions for him to do that may not be the same for them because your journey with God is unique. Your journey with God is deeply personal. But be assured, he has held in reserve so many things for you. And uh, sometimes we, the church, have done a disservice where we said, listen, if you just do this one thing, if you just pray this prayer, repeat these words after me, then you're going to be born again. But there's no magic, you know, equation. There's no hocus-pocus things. It's a being born again is, is a desperate reaching for God that causes uh, a knitting together of his spirit with your spirit. And it doesn't happen because you say the magical little prayer necessarily. There's a, there's a divine order to you pressing into God by desiring him, by loving him, by doing whatever it takes. God, I must have you. Charles Finney used to pray, God, give me souls or I die. Give me souls or I die. He would go into the woods day after day after day, and he would cry out to God, God, give me souls or I'm going to die. Give me souls or I'm going to die. And somebody would like to make a pattern out of that. It's about desire that rises up and reaches and touches the garment of God. God. Lord, we want to be a people who are desperate, desperate to give you what you want. I feel like I've done this myself, where I have kept a list of all the things that have gone wrong in my life, all the failures that have gone wrong in my Christian walk with the Lord. And I've kept that list, and sometimes I put that list away, but sometimes I bring it out, and I go through it again. And, the, and I feel like the Lord saying, today, that list needs to be gone thrown into the sea of forgetfulness because he remembers those things no more. And he wants those lists to be burned up and thrown away in the sea of forgetfulness where it is remembered no more. Not to be rehearsing these things over and over. We seem to rehearse these things and we hang on to these things like it's, like it's part of our identity and it is not. 
It is not. Your failures are not part of your identity. They are not who you are. Your identity is in Christ Jesus and the victory that he has wrought for us all. And I just thank you for that today, Father. And I believe there's, there's more than one list that needs to be thrown out. And there's a list of all the things that others have done. All the failures that others have done against me and towards me. And we hold those lists. Uh, and, and those lists are our unforgiveness. And God said very clearly, you will not be released from the prison until you release and forgive all those others. Stop holding these disappointments, these things that others have done. You know, there's so many who have left the church because the church did this and did that. I tell you, you are the church right now. And it is as illegitimate for others to hold a list against you than for you to hold a list against somebody else. Don't hold a list against yourself and don't hold a list against anybody else. Father, we are the church. Lord God, the church isn't some academic structure. It's not some administrative system. It is a collection of people, imperfect, God, who are seeking you. God, this thing the enemy's trying to do in our lives to make us uh, retreat and judge and attack one another, God, we break that. We say we will have no part of it. We'll have no part of it. God, release our souls. Release our souls. Release our souls. God, release our souls. Release our souls. So, Lord, we ask that this impossible fuel for this impossible journey would be ours. And we are reminded of the great men of faith. It says they sought for a city. Abraham sought for a city whose builder and maker of God. These are sojourners. They were pilgrims in a land, always seeking their whole existence, not just in one hour, not just for one conference. Their entire lives were given to seeking something they would never see fully. God, what kind of passion is able to do this? Inhuman, supernatural passion. God, we pray that you would mark us with that kind of desire, that we will be as relentless as Jesus is. Oh, God, will we be those people of faith, Lord, that we're looking for the consummation of a kingdom, a city whose builder and maker is God. God, do this. In our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.